Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Don't get lost in the vast expanse of the internet. Try Ventoff SEO Manager instead, the Shopify app that store owners use to optimize their search engine results. Ventoff SEO Manager is your SEO toolkit. You'll be king of the hill, top of the heap, cream of the crop, so why settle for page 10? Simply put, SEO Manager allows you to change the way search engines see and list your store. Better search rankings means more customers, which means more money for you. Try Ventoff SEO today and get found. Just search SEO Manager in the Shopify App Store to get started. First building my agency business 15 years ago, I was an avid cyclist. I wish I still was, I am at heart. I'll get back on that bike, I swear. But I worked weekends as a bike mechanic at a local bike shop and I loved it. I was a SRAM certified bike mechanic, you know, worked retail. And eventually that bike shop became our first ever Shopify project. Knowing nothing about Shopify, we dove in, migrated from Shopify, designed and built a custom theme. And so I have an affinity for this industry. I've even been to Interbike in Vegas. It's a ton of fun. Got to go uh, several times. And I am thrilled to have someone from that cycling world on the show today. Someone from the the bike aftermarket because there are so many parts, components, and accessories you could get into when you start cycling, biking, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like golf times 10. So today on this show, on the unofficial Shopify podcast, your source for Ecom Recon, we are bringing on Brian DeGroote, founder of Dispatch Custom Cycling Components. Brian traded in a 25-year career in enterprise software sales, where he was generating $250 million in lifetime revenue, gave that up to work on his mission of getting people on their bikes more often. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Check nasty. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. And Brian, welcome. Thanks, Kurt. I appreciate it and uh, appreciate the introduction as well. Happy to be here. So, all right. What, what does Dispatch sell? So we sell a number of different products. Um, they're all primarily designed to allow customers that have bicycles to make their bicycle one of one versus one of uh, potentially millions. Um, we can get into the numbers of bicycles that are sold every year in the U.S. and um, kind of how that that breaks down. But the odds are you have a bicycle that probably looks like somebody else's in this world and having the ability to customize it and make it your own, uh, I believe, and, and my customers share with me, creates a tighter bond to what is already arguably the, I think, one of the most interesting connections of human and machine in the world. And um, they range in, in, in kind of parts from headset caps that uh, fit on the cockpit to bar and plugs. Uh, frame protection, which kind of wraps around the the frame of the bicycle, because some of these things cost more than your um, maybe even your second or third car at this point, uh, and uh, a number of other options that that allow you to personalize your bicycle. 
yeah, there's there's something about it, right? Like I am I have always been of the opinion that until I customize it, I don't own it. That <laughs> is just my personality. It, it's what I like. Uh, an ex- easy excuse to do some some shopping for accessories yeah. after a purchase, of course, <laughs> right? Like you buy a bike. And this is going to kick off a consumption cycle. Like, I, you know, I need, well, I need gloves. I need a helmet. Certainly, I need lights front and rear. And it, it, the list goes on and on. I need tools. I, and now I'm, like, getting into it. I need a bike stand. I need levers. I need, oh, we need backup parts. Wait, I can upgrade this. I need better chain. Oh, I, I can put better brake pads on it, get better stopping distance, certainly. We got to swap out the tire. It just keeps going, right? It does. Um, it does, yeah. I love Continental Tires. Those are my faves. Yeah, Contis are great. I've um, my I've, I've used Race Kings for for many many years and uh, um, have nothing but great things to say about them. But I think to your point, you know, if you go to and, and you probably know this well from having worked in the bike shop, um, the bicycle itself doesn't come with a ton of margin. It probably comes with the most dollars in a transaction, but the actual margin, the turnover for the shop, is really coming from all of the things you just mentioned, right? All of the, the the bits and, and pieces that can come along with the bicycle to either make it your own or because they're consumable and they have to be replaced at some point in time. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that opportunity there for shops, especially to look for higher margin items that you know, you may not look at it as, as necessarily very expensive. I always liken it to buying a car. Um, when you buy the the $40,000 car and they ask you, do you want to spend $150 on the floor mats? You're like, yeah, sure. Of course it's $150. But if you were to do that in isolation, go, Hey, do you want $150 floor mats for your new bicycle or your new car? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, no way I can get those for 40 bucks on Amazon. Right. So, um, getting connected to that, that, uh, that margin, I think is, is really connected to the the new buyer experience and, and having the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, this is a great day. This is a great new, uh, beginning of something for you with this bicycle. And, uh, here's a couple of opportunities to make it your own. And the, the advantage to that is like, in theory, I have a better experience with it. Like I'm adding utility to it, but I'm also making it mine. It goes from being an object in my in my garage, my apartment, whatever, to a thing that I am emotionally invested in, I have ownership of, and then ideally that gets me to ride it. But I remember just like endlessly, I had two bikes, just endlessly tweaking them and like thinking about different builds and fiddling. And it was all about like making it mine, but also making it more comfortable and, you know, designing it around like, well, this is how I use it and this is how I want to ride and this is, you know, and this is what's comfortable. Yeah. And you know, that would vary from like, all right, you know, as much as I like this seat, this other seat's just more practical and more comfortable to, you know, I want this because it looks badass, right? Like it, <laughs> if it looks cool, well, maybe I feel cool. Maybe I ride it more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the bicycle does nothing without human input, right? And so there's already this, this very significant connection between the human and, and, and the machine. Um, and I think just amplifying that further and saying, well, what, what would really make it yours, right? What would make this, uh, this thing that, you know, as effectively as it can't do anything without you, um, you know, how does that connection get tighter and, and what, what input can I, um, you know, either, you know, add to the bike or take away from the bike in some cases, um, you know, reflectors out. I would rip those off and then yeah. I would use reflective tape. I like, yeah, exactly. I thought reflective tape go. was cool. Exactly. Exactly. So the number one thing you sell, well, you got a few items, but the thing, the, the leader category for sure, headset caps, stem caps. Yep. yep. 
what the heck is a stem cap for people who are unfamiliar with this? This, this is a great question. I think it speaks to some of the evolution of the business. Um, the, a headset cap is if after the bike has been built is uh, you could argue one of two things, either purely aesthetic or, um, uh, you know, if lawyers were standing around, we would say it's a safety uh, feature, right? Because uh, what it does is it sits on top of your steerer tube that you basically control the wheel on, on your bicycle, uh, which direction it goes, the front wheel. Um, and so there's a, you know, about a inch and a half wide hole that sits there. And, you know, should you have some sort of accident or go over the bars, this is a hole that you definitely don't want coming towards your, your body. So this covers it up. Uh, typically from the factory, it's going to say something. Maybe if you're lucky, it says the the bicycle brand that you bought, it probably says nothing at all. Probably just kind of, um, escapes most people's attention. And this is one of the uh, the difficulties of dispatch is just educating people on the opportunity to do something there, but it it just is a, a round piece that keeps everything you know, pretty much in place. And and uh, after the build is done, it really is, is, is aesthetic and and a good opportunity to do things like customize it. What's important is it sits in a place. It's like dead center behind your handlebars, and so exactly. when you're on the bike, it becomes like this inescapable thing in your sight line that you see just behind, you know, your, your front wheel. Yeah. If you're a, you're a rider like me, you're, you're probably spending a lot of time looking down at that stem. Um, if you're maybe a safer rider, you're looking a few feet up the road, hopefully every once in a while, but, uh, it is, it is definitely to your point. Um, if, if it was an automobile, it would be your, uh, your dashboard uh, effectively. And so we, we've established what the heck a headset cap is. What have you done that these, you have built this, this huge business around what was previously uh, this overlooked afterthought of a component. Yeah. I, so the, the story goes back um, to about 2012, I think it is. Uh, I just, by way of um, chance, I suppose, I, I made an investment in a, a bicycle frame manufacturer, um, ended up acquiring that company. And these were all custom-made uh, steel frames in the U.S., and the model at the time was basically sell one, build one. Um, and if you're selling you know, $2,000 mountain bike frames in the U.S. that are custom made, you don't have a ton of margin left over at the end of the day. And it's it's not a great scalable business. But what the business did have was a lot of assets that were, in my opinion, marketable. And you had a lot of customers that had been buying from the brand for years and wanted something to be able to say, you know, basically I own a, a Porsche or a Ferrari kind of thing, right? Like I have the ball cap or I have something that shows more than just the bicycle that, that, that I own. And so we started making headset caps for that company purely as a marketing play and they took off. And, you know, these, at that time we were selling them for, I think $15 shipped. Um, and, uh, um, it, it wasn't really a, a, a good idea for the business because it started to cannibalize the, the frame building business. And we, we started to become known as the headset cap company instead of the bicycle <laughs> frame company. And that is definitely not the move we wanted to make. So we separated that company out and, um, you know, basically worked with a, a local laser engraver for a little while just to see whether or not this, this had legs. It did. And so I, I brought in, um, at the time with my, what I call my business roommate, um, brought in a laser engraver and, and started, uh, going through the process of creating different artwork, different graphics, um, allowing for customers to actually customize and put their own sayings on the headset caps. And, uh, from there just, it really took off. It's been five and a half years now. And, uh, I think we're, we're in a, 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 certainly a prime position in the industry, if not the leading position, 
Um, and you know, it doesn't look like there's any insight here so far. So the, in many ways, it's a little bit of an accident, but more recognizing an opportunity, right? You're selling, you invested in a, a bike frame manufacturer. Do we know who this brand is? Or rather Siren Kmart. Bicycles. Yeah, Siren it, it, Bicycles. Yep, yep. Uh, very small, US-based um, steel mount, hardtail mountain bike frames uh, built here in the US. You've got $2,000 bike frames that are getting cannibalized because you're selling a $15 part. And so you recognize that opportunity. But what was it about the, the headset, this inexpensive part that seems inconsequential relative to like the big price of the frame? Frame's way harder to ship for sure. Um, and you said, well, we should take that and make it its own company. You said that like it was an obvious thing to do. <laughs> I would not have jumped to that conclusion. So I think one of the, the important parts that I may have left out here, um, in the U.S., on average, uh, there are about 17 million new bicycles sold every year. Now, that comes across a variety of different spectrum of, of you know, everything from aero triathlete bikes to beach cruisers on, you know, the Long Beach in California, right? Um, but what what that... I don't care how you divide that number up, that it, that any one of those sub-segments is much larger than Siren was ever selling. And so I, I saw an opportunity to say, you know, instead of just selling to people that are really into this bicycle brand that I own, let's let's back up and say, hey, anybody, I don't care, you know, who you are, what you ride, you can buy this headset cap. Um, I, you know, not, nothing wrong with any of the brands. Uh, I've, 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 I've come to see the light ultimately, but, you know, when, when you're building bicycle frames, you of course look at it every other brand as, you know, maybe inspiration, maybe a peer, or, you know, if it's a really large macro brand, then you're like, Ugh, you know, we, we definitely don't like those guys. Right. Um, and that's just not right. It's not, it, it wasn't, it didn't ultimately serve the mission that I was trying to get to. And I think having the opportunity to step back and to say, hey, you know what, everybody that rides a bicycle is way better than 100 people a year that we sell a siren bicycle frame to, right. <laughs> it's, it's a, um, an order of multiple magnitudes larger than, than, uh, um, than what we had before. And I think the, you know, the, there's this kind of, in the industry, um, there is this very aspirational sale that happens, right? There's this image of a cyclist that uh, quite honestly is disconnected from the majority of the buyers that, that I inter, um, speak with and, and you know, have emails from. And, um, it, you know, I think if you walk to, you know, downtown Chicago and you look at the, the local Trek store, you're going to see your know, giant imagery of some 135 pound cyclist and super tight Lycra hammering up some ridiculous mountain that clearly isn't in Chicago. Um, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's what I'm buying, right? That's what I go in and give my five, 10, $15,000 to, to go be, you know, cause I, I bought into this imagery. Um, or into this, this persona. And then you take the bicycle home, you go out on a ride or two and you realize that you're actually not that person. And there, there's this promotion of that image that just doesn't really do anything to say to the person that bought the bicycle. And I think this is one of the biggest problems that shops have keep riding that bicycle, right? Like to ride your ride. That's what we say here, right? We say this all the time, ride your ride. It doesn't matter if it's you know, to work. Uh, it doesn't matter if it is up out to us. It doesn't, you know, matter if it's, you know, just to go get groceries with the kids. It, it really doesn't matter so long as you're riding your ride and enjoying what you're doing on the bicycle. Um, and I think that that message is very broad and perhaps that's why the industry can't really embrace it so much and say, you know, Hey, 
if you're a 350 pound uh, overweight individual looking to get healthier, this is a really good way to actually condition yourself back into a, a healthy body, right? Versus here's the hundred, it, you know, it's like a gym showing the, the person that's already been working out for 10 years. And you're like, well, I don't look like that person. Do I fit here or should I just pay my membership and really never come back again? Right. We don't want that. We want people on bicycles. And so why does getting more people on bikes matter to you? I think there are a lot of, um, I think there are a lot of reasons. I, I, I would say for, for my own, um, reasoning, I know I'm a better person when I'm on a bicycle than I am in a car. I know that I'm a better person when I ride my bicycle and come to the shop to, uh, handle customer interactions or create new product or, um, run the orders for the day. I'm a better person mentally and, and physically for that. Um, and, and I think, you know, end of one, but I, I do believe that if I'm enjoying the effects of having exercise and gone out on a ride and, and been a better person than having driven my car somewhere, this, this has a, 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 a multiplying effect, right? Ultimately more people on bicycles, being happier with themselves, being happier with life, um, smelling things, seeing things, talking to their neighbors, talking to fellow riders, talking to people on the trail, this is what we need as, as, as a, as a country, as, as a society. And I think as, as humankind, quite honestly, to, to have that interaction. Um, I would say one of the downsides of COVID, even though we, we did extremely well through that process or through that time, um, th there were, you know, there kind of was this, this, this bifurcation of like, should you be out or should you not be out? And this kind of this two worlds of opinion is like, well, I mean, I'm on a bicycle. We're multiple feet apart from one another, et cetera. Um, and some of that was lost during that period of time. And I think that, you know, getting that regenerated and having those connections is, is, is especially critical right now. I'm so tired of losing revenue. Ah! Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Ooh. Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? <gasps> Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and Blendjet have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. We am um, 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x, like I'm not even joking. Onboarding is quick and easy and implementation takes just hours, not months. Plus, retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance. So you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. I agree with you. It sounds like you have an unusual amount of interaction with your customers versus like other founders we talk to where they, they tend to be a little bit removed. Mm -hmm. Are there any, do you have any, you got any war stories, any particularly memorable <laughs> customer stories? I, I do. I get a lot of stories. I, I, I would say, um, first off, just by way of the fact that we, at least 40% uh, of our business is, is truly custom, as in the customer said, I want these words on this headset cap. So we don't have 11 colors with uh, 15 pieces of artwork that we can go put up on a shelf somewhere and go, okay, if somebody wants to buy it, go buy it or put it into a 3PL and let it ship. We're making every one of those orders to order. 
Um, and, and so by way of that, I think we have a, a little more of a, um, just a tactical position to speak with our customers more often. But I, I also believe just by way of my Clavio flows and the interactions that I get back from my customers, that we're, we're doing something very special. I, I, I have some brand affinities in life um, you know, that, that I'm very, very loyal to. I can 100% guarantee you I have never, ever written back to any of those organizations with the kind of emails that I get from, from our customers that are, and, and I mean this in the, in, in, in the best kind of way, like they, they are incredibly intimate and um, almost cathartic in many ways for, I, I assume, the author, uh, but also the recipient, me, uh, where I, I get to read them and, and hear stories of redemption, um, stories of loss, uh, stories of, I, I, I put myself in a bad spot in life for a very long time for whatever particular set of reasons. And I've gotten back out on the bicycle and this is the only way that I'm able to, to cope with, with what I have in front of me. Um, I have one customer who's a great customer who lost his father. Uh, uh, actually two customers that come to mind right now that have both lost fa- uh, fathers in the last couple of years that have basically memoriams on their, their bicycle for their, their loss. And depending on how you're riding, you know, I, I, I ride, I tend to ride, longer, very endurance focused type rides. Um, these things can break you down mentally at times, right? These rides can really get you into, you know, beyond the pain cave into areas where you're like, boy, I didn't know I had this darkness inside me. And and I'm so glad that I have this opportunity to get it out on the bicycle to the point of tears kind of thing. And I, I think that that's, again, that's that human and machine connection, but it's also that human and to, to self connection and, and really having that opportunity to be out there with nothing else in front of you, right? So hopefully you're not on your phone, hopefully you're not on you know <laughs> any social media things of that nature. You're just turning over the cranks and you're 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 working with yourself and and the and the machine. And I think that that gives you an opportunity to to, to reflect quite a bit. And those stories that come in from customers are you know many many paragraphs long. Um, I, I've I've had more than one occasion where I've read them and reread them and just you know, been moved. That's <laughs> just the best way to put it. They're, they're extremely touching. Um, the best, and, 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 yeah. The best meditation I've ever experienced is doing 50 miles on a bike. And that like, you're right, because it forces you to focus, but then you're also combining it with like exercise, you're outside. It, it's just a really, the whole thing is, is very beneficial, mm-hmm. but you have to get out, get yeah. started. Yep. And that's, and then keep going. And then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I just did, you know, 50 miles round trip on a bike. It's quite incredible. Um, you mentioned COVID. How did, well, all right. How long has Dispatch Bikes been around? So uh, last August was five years. So that's um, 2017. Uh, so I guess we're now five and a half years old as of, uh, as of March. Actually, and then how long has this site, this thing yeah. been on yeah. Shopify? Uh, we, <laughs> so if we moved too slowly to get Siren on to Shopify, we moved a little too quickly to get, um, dispatch up and running on, on Shopify. Um, I, it, I wish I had screenshotted all of the iterations that we had over the years, but, uh, from day one, it's always been on Shopify. I may have taken just a couple of few orders from, uh, just PayPal direct kind of thing. Um, but otherwise it's always been on Shopify. Uh, all right. I want to talk about your Shopify store, but before we do that, Let's go back. How did COVID impact your business? Uh, like everybody else, uh, it was you know in, in March. It was like, okay, uh, we're doomed. Um, and literally three weeks later, you realize that uh, you know I, I 
I certainly did at least was like, this can't last much longer now, right? You know, this can't last much longer now, right? And every two weeks you're like, okay, it's, you know, when's that band getting lifted? And it just never happened. And I think as that extended, um, you know, the initial hit was, I would say about two weeks long. I think by mid-March, we realized that, you know, this was going to be a problem. And by the, by April, we were, we were doing more product and, and more sales than, uh, than we had done, you know, in any period, um, same period, uh, previous March and April are weird for us because you have, um, winter thaw that's happening. So you come, come into that spring season. So where maybe the Southern half of the United States is a little warmer and kind of carries our business through that winter time, um, May through call it October, um, November tend to be really good across the entire country. Right. And so you have a, a much larger audience, but we were seeing numbers that we hadn't seen in previous, um, same periods year over year. And so we knew that, you know, that this was going to be okay. And thankfully, uh, just by pure stroke of luck, I had placed my, um, uh, my orders for, for raw stock, um, well in advance of, of COVID. And so, you know, these, these things take time to be made and, and to get shipped and everything else. And so we, 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 got very lucky to, to have, um, you know, plenty of back stock and, and availability through that entire period. And then it was just a matter of trying to figure out how to manage accelerated consumption with no real comps from, from previous periods to, to work against and, you know, try to figure out how, you know, how do we stay ahead of the inventory? And for the most part we did, we, we, we lost it a couple of times where, you know, we just, as I said, I, I, <laughs> I think more than one occasion through that period, I think I've lost control of the ship. Um, so so we, 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 we survived and we did quite well through it. And the, you know, these headset caps and the, the bar and caps is really, it's like a small part um, that you could, in theory, you could machine this yourself and then it's, it looks like it's anodized and then you laser engrave it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Do you guys, do you manufacture these in house? We don't. So we have a couple of different manufacturers that work for us that um, produce here domestically and overseas. And um, the the parts are, are, when we receive them, they're already anodized in the colors that we've selected. And then they're essentially ready to go into one of any of the, the different pieces of artwork or customer art that uh, that goes onto them through the laser engraver. We'll put on, on a big giant jig that basically sets up the artboard from uh, Adobe Illustrator and that's the day's work. And it just kind of sits there and sweeps back and forth across it until it's all said and done. And then we pack them up and get them out to the customers. They're watching those laser engravers is fascinating, but also like <laughs> quite really not good for your retinas. Yeah. We, we use a fully enclosed um, laser engraving machine that you know has some, some, uh, I don't even know what it is, UV blocking glass that's on top of it. So you can sit there and look at it. Um, I'll, I'll throw the, the iPhone in there from time to time and, and record a, a time lapse just to, to show it. And um, that's okay. That's okay to look at. But uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, we, do, we do have one open laser that um, you know, I'll, I can tell the story about when I set the shop on fire with the original laser, but, uh, oh, you know, this, this one is, uh, this one is a, uh, an open laser as well. And, and I have this bad habit of just saying, well, let's plug it in and fire it up and go do these things. And, you know, come to find out staring at laser isn't really great for the eyes. <laughs> like why, what do I, what I feel like I've been in a dust storm. <laughs> I oh, think I know why. Jeez. <laughs> really, really sizzle your eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, yeah don't do it. <laughs> so, your Shopify store, I love. It's got like this, this, this DIY zine quality to it that like speaks to. There is a punk rock nature of biking 
culture, like if you're a shop rat working at a bike shop, it has its own culture. And what I love about this brand and your approach is, you know, you're you're saying, hey, like we're going to bring that, the best of that in a really accessible way to everyone who owns a bike. Because like the way bikes are assembled, they pretty much all have headstem caps, right? And they're like, that's so brilliant. And as far as like getting someone to be like, all right, you're going to do something on your bike. This is a really easy component that you know, pretty much anybody could swap out. You know, you need a hex key, which I think you provide. Yep. And uh, that's about it, right? Yeah, like don't over tighten it. Like, it, but you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I can change my headset cap faster than I can my shoes and socks, right? So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's a. I, I appreciate the compliments on the site. Um, I, I think when we first launched, I, I, I've been working um, to try to you know come up with a, a, a new way forward with the brand and um what i would describe our first iterations as you know after we got past the original <laughs> awful uh, awful sites um was you know we were the tattoo shop with um the the blacked out windows that you couldn't see inside and so it was like ooh i don't know if i actually want to go in that place right and now we're trying to become the tattoo shop with the darkened windows, right? So yeah, like you can see what's going on here. It looks pretty safe. Actually looks like there's pretty cool people in there and let, let's go ahead and head in. Um, that's kind of the guidance that I'm giving everybody that we're working with right now is, you know, let's, let's back off the super counterculture edge of the brand and start um, kind of walking closer to like, I, I look at Vans as a very aspirational brand where it's somehow or another, they've gotten the, um, you know, worst little hoodlum that you could possibly think of that's out and, you know, causing trouble to, to wear vans to dad that has, you know, grandpa even that has, you know, grandchildren and he's still sporting vans. And it's, it's an incredible story to be able to say, I can walk across um, and still, you know, give you a little bit of an identity and, and you make up the rest of that identity, whatever it is, right. You, you know, a van shoe, van shoes are not necessarily, anything right until you put the, the the history of the brand and then the individual in it and then you go okay now you know i'm i'm just a grandpa out walking his grandchild at the park leave me alone or i'm a 16 year old kid that's going to be the next tony hawk at the skate park and and i work, i choose to wear vans so i think it's an amazing uh, way to be and um you know we're not the size of that kind of organization where we can really be all things to all people but i do think we we probably skew just a little too far to um you know whoa, what what what's what going on in there we get customers that you know ask for for bible quotes on their 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 uh, caps all the time and uh, not opposed to it in any sort of way, but I, I always wonder, like, did, did you scroll through all of the site you know, so, to make sure that we're we're aligned here and that this isn't some sort of joke? But uh, you know, that that's that, that's the market that we're trying to serve. The and I I love the product photos, especially like for the headset caps. They look like renders, but they look real. Like the gi mm -hmm. only giveaway that they feel like renders is how perfectly consistent they are. Like. The presentation is identical across all of them. I think I recognize a Thompson stem here, maybe Thompson X4. We, you know, it, it, the the original photos, Kurt, were actually in a you know what everybody was doing. I think back in, in 2017, which was go get a light box, uh, blast a ton of light at it, put it on a, a white background, and shoot the thing. And you know, the, I think everybody should know exactly what they're getting ultimately, right? I think there's there's a good reason for that type of photo. But when you put a round object um, that you don't know that you can actually do anything with on your bicycle or that it's even bicycle related, 
on a white background with some artwork on it and you, you throw it up on a website. We got so many different random questions about like, is this a guitar pick guard? Is this, or, a, you know, tuning knobs or what? I forget what they were and some other things. And you're so myopic as the owner of the brand and the thing, you know, you work with this all day long. You're like, well, how do you not know that this is a bicycle part? And so one of the learning lessons early was, you know, let the data, let the feedback be the arbiter of truth. And it was like, okay, the, these, these make sense to me. They do not make sense to the people that actually want to give me money. Right. So let's, let's fix this. Um, and so we worked really hard with, uh, with a local photographer. He's, he's a, he works in the, the, the bicycle industry, but um, it, we had to have speed to, uh, to the photographs because what we used to do was to, you know, basically go out on a ride, come up with an idea for a design, go make that design, go laser engrave it in 11 different colors, take that over to a photographer, have that person photograph them, wait for them to get finished, put them back up on the, and we're talking weeks, right? And now I can literally go out on a ride after we get off this, this podcast. Um, and an hour from now, have an entirely new product available for sale, loaded to Clavio, announce it, and we're making money. And I think that that's, that rendering, um, we, we, we recognize that it has to be extremely accurate because as you well know, you know, um, red isn't always red and blue isn't always blue. And especially in anodized parts, it's like, well, this doesn't match my, you know, Fox um, shock and I want this color and I thought it was gonna be that color. So we have to be really careful about this. We color calibrate. We take a, a lot of time and effort to really calibrate what what's going on to that, that site. Um, but ultimately, we, we have to be able to get that product loaded out there quickly. Still trying to survive on Shopify without upsells? In 2022, Zipify one-click upsell users made an extra $156 million in upsell revenue. That's an average of $17,000 for each store that downloaded OCU. Most new users see an immediate 10 to 15% increase in sales from day one. Created by the owner of a $170 million e-commerce brand and trusted by over 13,000 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell boosts your average order value with highly targeted pre-purchase and post-purchase upsells. Zipify OCU's mobile-optimized offer pages drive sky-high conversions and split-testing capabilities maximize your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $400 million in sales. Installing the app is easy. It only takes a few clicks to launch your first upsell and start generating more revenue overnight. Go to zipify.com slash Kurt to start your 30-day free trial. And for an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. And the number one product in here, it appears, is a headset cap that does not have your design on it. It's, <laughs> it offers personalization. Yep. 557 five-star reviews. Any brand that can in a practical and realistic way, engage in personalization, I would absolutely encourage them to do it. Because like, what was the, the premise of this entire business of this entire episode was, hey, we want to customize the things we own to make them ours. Yeah. Well, I mean, what better way to offer personalization on the site? And in your case, it's like, all right, you could pick the color, you could pick the, the bolt color, you know, get some contrast there, uh, and then you choose the text and, and the typeface. And so... Well, how the heck did you do that? Like, is this is a a product options app? Like, how do we make this work in Shopify? Yeah, in Shopify, we are now using uh, only meta fields. This has been one of the 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 big tasks across the last year is to get rid of. No offense to any app builders out there, I think they they do a great job, but I think the the default 
response in, in the past was always, which app can do this thing, right? And now Shopify has really armed us to say, you don't need to necessarily have an app all the time. And I, I feel for the developer community at one level, but at another level, it's like, hey, look, this actually broadens the ability of your uh, capabilities as, as a developer. And, um, you know, I, even though I'm in Shopify's interface every single day, I don't want to mess around with meta fields. So I still have, you know, somebody else that's technically qualified do that for, for us. And, um, it, it's, it's from a, from a personalization perspective, um, you know, there's upside and downside, right? So the, the upside is one, of course, seeing what customers want to put on their headset caps is hilarious, uh, because there, there's so many different things that, you know, I get to see every single day that come across and you're like, wow, that person should probably be a little nicer to themselves or that's really funny <laughs> or, um, wow, I know that somebody's going to be getting married or engaged, um, before the person that's getting engaged knows it or that they're pregnant, you know? So I've seen a lot of, um, really memorable caps come across. Um, the downside of course is y- y- this, this is a, uh, a physical business at that point, right? I can't send all of our inventory off to 3PL and say, okay, you handle the rest of this. We, we have to manufacture to order. And, um, you know, I would, I guess I, from a, a Shopify operator's perspective, I would just, you know, share with anybody that's thinking about personalization that you either find somebody that can do that for you and do it to the expectations that you have, or be prepared to, uh, you know, to do that personalization in house and, and, and be there. <laughs> well, and do you ever have issues just like people will be creative and they're going to play to the rules within the confines of what you gave them. So it's like, yeah, they're playing in your sandbox, but they still get to do whatever they want. Do you ever get stuff that's like straight up, we can't print this? Um, I've, I've seen things that have made me question why an individual would want to stare at that for hours on, on board their bicycle. Um, we've never gotten anything. I, I have a pretty, I guess, undefined line of where I would send something back to somebody and say, no, we're not doing that. Um, it, you know, know it these, when you these, see it. Yeah, I think I would definitely know it when I see it. And and also, I guess at some level, like because we're not beholden to, I mean, you look at the brand, right? It's like, look, you know, if you come around here and give a shit, we're going to give you shit back. Like that's just the way it goes, right? So um, if you want to come around with attitude or, or hate or things of that nature, and you know, you're trying to make some sort of point that's, you know, I'm not saying I, I, I have the ultimate authority on whose opinion that matters and doesn't. But if it's if it's just something that crosses the line, you know, kind of like I think Discord always has these uh, rules when you go into a new group, right? It's like you know, basically, be nice, you know, <laughs> just just be a good person, and um, you know, you can define that in a lot of different ways. And I, you know, we saw a bunch of stuff about, um, of course, Trump and Biden, and and um, uh, you know, sometimes I, I have to catch up with the the, the cool kids. Uh, you know, it's like oh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, like multiple Jeffrey Epstein caps came across, I'm like. What, what, what is going on here? Like, you know, cause there was this whole meme about, um, I forget what it was like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself or something like that. And, and it's just like, who, who wants to look at this on their bicycle? But you know what? That's fine. If you want to look at that on your bicycle, you want to pay $25 to look at that on your bicycle. You know, that's fine. If it was something really, you know, crossing the line, I, I think, you know, it's pretty, probably getting pretty close to it, but you know, so far, like I said, we've never had to send anything back. Um, I, I suppose, you know, having, having your own money invested in that thing, probably, you know, it's like how many people would pay $25 to say the tweets that they say on, on Twitter, you know, are you really that committed to it? It's like, okay, well, no, I'm not really that committed to it. Okay. Well, that, that kind of is the the self-selection process there at some, at some level. So the moment you charge for them, it just kind of reduces some of the zaniness. 
Yeah, I think so. I, I think also, uh, so we're moving into uh, graphic images as well. So people will be able to ride along with uh, with their cats on board or, you know, whatever photo they want to send us. And, you know, one of the concerns we have about this, because we, we don't have tens of thousands of dollars to um, create a custom uh, image mock-up and, and, you know, really understand from a three megapixel photograph of their cat from 1990 that, you know, it's supposed to be in the upper left-hand corner and Fluffy's face is supposed to be exactly here. So since we don't have that investment to be able to make there, what we're going to do or what we are doing is say, okay, you pay for it. We're going to provide you a couple of different mock-ups. You're going to pick from A, B, or C, and then, you know, it'll be done. Right. And, and I think that, that kind of transaction that, that, you know, I'm committed financially to this really kind of keeps some of the, <laughs> some of the, um, the wheels greased. Let's just put it that way. So. Uh, it, are you a, a solo founder? Is it just you? I am. Yeah. Um, I, I had partners, uh, last year. Um, I, as you, you, you may know a few of them. Um, I, I have run the business always by myself. Um, I have had, you know, during the season, high season, I'll bring in help. Um, uh, but otherwise it's, it's been just me. Um, for a brief period of time, I did have some, some fellow, um, investors that were coming along with me, but, uh, I, I, uh, we've since you know, kind of rearranged that agreement and bought that out and it's just me. And so you've been at this for five years. It's just you. What keeps you motivated? It's a good question. Um, for, for a little while through the, the, the startup ramp, I, I you have these, I think from as an outsider, you have this this vision of like, oh, you're in the cycling industry, so you must ride your bicycle constantly. And I wasn't, you know, I was, I was, I, I, I'll, I'll dirty little secret. Um, I have a Peloton down here in the basement studio, and so I would hop on the Peloton and go ride that for an hour, or, you know, some some period of time every day. And um, but I wouldn't get on the actual bicycle. And I think that you know, there's a big difference between a Peloton experience and, and a and an outdoor experience. And I. I, for the last year now, I've really focused on saying, okay, let's get on the bicycle. So one, uh, stay mentally healthy and, and you know, living up to the mission of, of dispatch. Um, uh, but also to just having that opportunity to connect with customers and, and to get those inbound, uh, responses back from them about what this little thing that you sometimes, cause you're staring at hundreds of them a day is actually bringing to an individual. And those are, it, it sounds cliche, but th- those are truly, um, they're truly motivating to, to see that. And, and, you know, when times get tough or, you know, February obviously is extremely slow here. Uh, it's like, Oh boy, you know, like, I don't know, like, are we going to make this? And um, you know, how do we, how do we make a year's worth of living on 10 months worth of business kind of thing? And um, it, you just, you see that and you go, okay, yeah, we, we can't, we can't not do this. Right. These, these are changing lives and, and that matters. The, yeah, the seasonal nature of outdoor, recreational brands and cycling especially is just it's the reality and it's brutal and you don't realize like even selling online where it's like well yeah it's warm somewhere but even like mentally it changes even in you know places where the climate like you know if i live in florida realistically the weather's better in the winter for riding (laughs) but it's still like mentally there it's not as top of mind even in places where the weather makes sense I said, it's, it's just a tough business. Do you plan for it? Do you ramp up marketing efforts? Um, I remember we used to, in the bike shop, they'd say like, well, you know, in the winter is when, you know, the really, the, the hardcore people that like 
you know, are 135 pounds with their $15,000 time trial bike, they know that's like when you do, you know, you're like building the bike, getting it maintained. And so we'd like try to go after those people to just shore things up. Any strategy there? Or is it just like, all right, we got to sit on cash? No, uh, we, we don't like sitting on cash because, uh, you know, we're growing the business, right? So we, we have to reinvest that into more inventory and more product. So to that point, uh, you know, the, the, the headset cap is not really a consumable thing, right? Like, I, and we don't really want to do something unnatural, like say, oh, let's get the headset cap of the month subscription going, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense either, right? But um, what we do know is customers after they transact with us have a, a, a pretty good relationship with the brand and they want more from the brand. And so that can lend itself to things like t-shirts and hats and um, you know, riding jerseys and kits and, and things of this nature. Um, so we, we've done well by kind of bringing that and pushing those types of products through those, the slower periods. I, I will say, and, and, you know, I'm no, uh, you know, climate surgeon, but um, I, I, this year has been particularly interesting to watch the seasonal changes that have, have come across North America where, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, Florida, Texas, you know, Louisiana, all those states would typically carry us at, at a lower volume, ultimately lower dollars total um, through the season. And, and as we all know, like I, I think New York didn't even have any snow until like February or something like that this year. Right. So everyone down South was getting, hammered with weird weather, you know, certainly whether they weren't going to be riding in. And um, it, it, it has had an interesting effect on our, our business. We, we've been able to um, work pretty hard with other brands that are in um, the industry that we've you know, basically said, hey, look, you, you, know, you, you sell jerseys or you sell bicycles or you sell other things that are adjacent to what we do. Would you be interested in bringing these out to your customers um, during this period? And to your point, like, you know, the endurance rider that the guy who's, or the, or the gal that's going out in uh, spring of this year to go ride, you know, some of the, the races that are already happening, they're, they're training through the winter. Right. And so, you know, maybe on a trainer, which is all the more reason to have some motivation inside. <laughs> like I, I'm in the basement, it's dark, it's cold outside. I'm doing these miles on this thing. Doesn't even move. You know, it's, I can't get any wind in here and I need some sort of motivation to stay on the bike. So uh, all of those things put together help us get through it. We're, we're not, you know, in any way making you know, whatever twelve months worth of living on ten, but you do have the slower periods. I, I, being a, an honest operator with myself, what I always say is seasonality isn't yet our problem because we aren't at the top of the market. If we had tapped out on the market and said, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing one hundred percent of everything we could possibly do in these categories," and seasonal. Um, you know, uh, weather changes just happen and, and we just have to adjust to that. Great. That's fine. But we're not there yet. And so I, I think it's, it's really important to, you know, just like you see a, a Wall Street earnings report and you're like, oh, it was, you know, XYZ thing. You're like, how did that actually affect your business? I'm curious because that's just popular to talk about right now or because you don't want to get fired. <laughs> and so it's like, I better come up with something because somebody's going to be asking some questions. I don't have that luxury, right? Because if I lie to myself about that, you know, sooner or later, this, this comes home to roost. God, that's like such a good way of looking at it. What's, what's been one thing that surprised you most since starting this journey in 2017, five years ago? Um, 
so I mentioned uh, lighting the shop on fire. Uh, I, 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 I <laughs> That'd got be the, quite the surprise. Yeah, yeah. I got the 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 first laser that we actually invested in. I, I, you know, it was like it has basically the same exact cable that you would plug into your laptop for a printer. And I was like, oh, printer cable, like turn it on, connect the printer cable, light this thing. You know, it's like, well, what do we have the laser on? I don't know. There's a piece of cardboard over there. Let's put that in there. Cardboard and lasers don't get along too well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it works uh, really well. <laughs> so, uh, um, and so I, I think, you know, uh, kind of uh, in a roundabout way, it's like the, the, the amount of things that I've had to learn and the uh, trial by fire literally has, has been surprising for me because I, I came from a, a career where I, I, I just, I, I could literally land my feet on the ground in the morning and go do the thing and make a lot of money doing it and didn't, you know, of course you have to stay up to date and, 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 you know, stay relevant, but it, 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 it's just very different as, as a, as a, an e-commerce operator. And, um, I, I, I think that the surprising thing for me as an outsider coming in is that I, I believe that a lot of people myself included will look at the industry, especially the smartest people out there that have done extremely well and believe that there's some sort of magic that they 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 have, and and it's like you know pay for that course and and buy that thing and um, you know like all their tweets and whatever else. And at the end of the day, it, it the, the surprising part of it is it's no different than anything else in life. You have to do the work. You have to create something that people want, and you have to get in front of enough people to actually tell them about the thing that you think they want. And it happens, but you you have to have that 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 fortitude to say like I'm I'm just not going to look for the tricks or the the shortcuts or whatever else, um, and, and just stick to the fundamentals. It you know very much like having a great experience with a bike. Um, so you said you got to get the audience, get in front of the right people. How does Dispatch Bike do that today? I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there's some content marketing. You have quite the podcast set up there. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, um, you know, again, we, we, we sit at around a $45 average order value, right? So when you start chipping away with, um, paid acquisition costs, this can get real thin real quick, right? Cause I still, you know, even though we sit at a 90% top line, uh, margin, we have some serious costs that we have to take into consideration when we talk about acquiring customers, especially in, in something like our product where it, it's not, Hey, I'm solving adult acne. Um, I can totally create an ad super quick, right? It's like, hey, do you suffer from adult acne and you know the ego play and everything else? And hey, here's the solution to it. Ours is like, hey, your bicycle is totally perfectly functional without what we do. <laughs> Would you like to buy it? Right? Did you know you can buy it? Did you know you can change these things? And so, most I think most successful organizations that have uh, a product that needs to be uh, you know sold through an educational process. Um, have a lot of margin that they can deal with actual dollars, hard dollars, right? Not just margin. And we don't have that. And so our, our, our strategy as of late last year was to basically walk away from everything except for either intention-based search, right? So I'm, I'm looking for this part and I'm going to, to do this to try to expand beyond that and write content, create content, um, and work with those that are creating that content to say, Hey, you can do this. This is really cool. And you should, you know, I have one, you should do one. Right. And so we, we've, we've spent a lot of time with outreach to, um, you know, there's in, in the industry, there are a number of kind of pop celebrities that are, that are, um, you know, either funny or educational and things of that nature, but they, they have an audience they built up for, you know, years before we even thought about this. 
Um, so we've leveraged quite a bit of that. And then, you know, recognizing that we were suffering from a sickness called, you know, going to Facebook and just, you know, giving $10 to, to make $8, um, that we, we have to wean ourselves off that. And, and ultimately that's a longer term play. And, and that involves creation of as much content as possible. And, and, you know, what I wrote to myself in, in Q4 of last year was, you know, one of the reasons that I, I'm attracted to cycling. One of the reasons I think the brand can exist nicely in the industry is that there is a beautiful aesthetic to, uh, cycling. Um, there is an opportunity to exist in a, in an area that, you know, as we call it, um, uh, less posh, more punk. And, um, we, we believe that that's, that's the place that we can, we can author content and have interviews and, and create things that, that attract people to, 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 to dispatch. And so you, are you running a podcast now? We are. Um, I, I, I had episode one, uh, in January. It was, um, it was a great learning lesson. Um, you know, podcasting when you watch all the YouTube videos and, you know, you've, I'm sure well aware I have my Rodecaster Pro 2 sitting over here right now with all the fancy buttons and, um, uh, we're, we're working on going through more. We'll do 24 episodes this year is, is my goal. And I have a lineup of guests already. And now it's just a matter of, you know, as, as we talked about before, like you have to turn on the microphone and start doing the work. And, um, the first iteration that was, was, was a mess, <laughs> but, uh, but we're, we're, we're getting there. And, uh, I, I think the, the, the stories that we want to tell, which is basically, I don't care if you're a tour de France level type rider, uh, racer to, um, I, I lost my car, uh, or my license through, you know, my own stupid decisions, uh, through DUI or whatever. And now this is how I get back and forth to work. And this is how it's changed my life to everything in between there, but it's, it's the bicycle at the center and how has it changed your life and how has it made it either better or different? What do you call that podcast? The ride your ride podcast. Uh, ride your so ride. The, yeah. That's our big uh, thing here. I, I, I do a lot of endurance, um, racing and, and, and running as well. And, um, yeah, there's especially in running. There's this whole thing of like you know, basically race your race, right? Don't don't worry about the people out front. Like race what you can race or run your run. Um, and and I think the same thing with 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 dispatch. You know, our our idea here, our, our mission is to get more people on bikes more often. And um, it it doesn't have to be the 135 pound Tour de France rider, right? Like it can be anything that you want it to be. And and nothing makes me happier, quite honestly, than going out here in our local city on, on a, a summer uh, weekend, Sunday, uh, going down to the local community park and seeing a family riding their bicycle to the ice cream shop and hanging out in the park. I'm like, this is, this is perfect, right? <laughs> Everybody's together. Nobody's been in the car. Everybody has a good attitude. It's ice cream, it's bicycles, it's the park, it's sunny. Like, I mean, this is, come on, you know, like what else do you need? What's, what's next for dispatch? Any products on the horizon? What are we doing? Yep. Yep. Uh, so we, we invested in a couple of additional, uh, capabilities in house. Um, one of them that we've been working on for, for quite a while, just to make sure that it would pass our tests because, uh, uh, laser engraving is very permanent. Uh, it's very hard to, to abuse anything that's laser engraved, but we, we wanted to bring in color printing, which for anybody that's old enough to remember, uh, the wizard of Oz, when you watch the first, X number, 95% of the, the movie, it was all in black and white. And then you cut to this color section at the very end. And it was like, whoa, the world can be in color. That's amazing. And, and that's kind of our experience with, with the UV printer where, you know, with laser engraving, you're always thinking in black and white because that's all the laser sees on or off. Right. And color has been really fun for us to, to, to start to work with. And uh, in conjunction with that, with a, with a partner here locally that, that um, manufactures the, the headset caps that we're using now, um, there's, it's a holeless 
headset cap. So you have a full 34 millimeters on top to put anything you want on there. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we'll, we'll be doing quite a few uh, uh, pictures of people's cats and dogs and kids and whatever else on there. But um, that that's, that's a big one. We we've, we're very confident in its durability. Now we believe it, it can withstand, you know, just about as well as, as anything should in that, in that position on the bicycle. Um, and then we're also working on a, a series of uh, frame protection, uh, basically vinyl protection that goes on top of the bicycle to allow you to further personalize it and protect it from, you know, all the things that try to ding bicycles and make your $15,000 bicycle worth uh, a little less. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to drop a road bike and watch that, that paint come off that like hydroformed aluminum or carbon fiber. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Painful. Well, that, then instead of looking forward or at your, your, your headset cap, you're just looking at the ding the entire time. And then, <laughs> and then the, the ride's no fun. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when it's a mountain bike though, and it, or like a BMX and it looks ratty, then that means you like use it. Yeah. Whereas like the road bike, that's like your, you know, that's your sports car of bikes. You want that one to be, to be shiny. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you can't put it in the bed with you if it's all not shiny, right? Like <laughs> just sleep. So many them. motel photos of yeah, like yeah, exactly. people at events, the bikes in the bed. I'm sure motels been there, done that. This. Room for one? No, absolutely not. I need two beds. <laughs> uh, you have, you've got a coupon code for us so that other folks can get in on this, uh, headset stem cap action uh, i do yep um so we created a, um, a custom code for for all the listeners um it's 15 percent off any purchase over 35 dollars uh, and you can use code tech nasty 15 tech nasty <laughs> all right brian degroot dispatch bikes if you are into bikes you know this is what you got to check out Dispatch.bike is the site. TechNasty15 is the coupon code. Uh, I've got, I think I have the GoFast, uh, GoFast Don't Die stem cap on my bike. That's one of our collaborations. Yep. Oh, I love it. Real, real like shop rat stuff. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) This, I am feeling inspired and like this spring just rolled around. I gotta gotta get out there, get back on my bike. Brian DeGroote, Dispatch Bike. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Send photos of that, uh, that stem cap to me. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.